Facebook if you'd like. Live streamers, if you're there, we're happy to have you too. Let's get ready to praise the Lord. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
to participate in and partake of communion this morning so if you want to get that out and prepare it justice if you could put up first corinthians chapter 11 verse number 23 please whenever we take communion it is uh it's, it's the high point of our worship of all the things that we do this is the one thing that the worldwide church does together there's all sorts of different denominations and different modes of operation, how they do stuff, but this is one thing we all do that, that's together. Amen? 1 Corinthians 11, 23 said, and this is Paul writing, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, verse 25. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Yes. Amen. And Paul goes on to write that we're not to do this in an unworthy manner. Amen. We don't take this lightly or out of reverence. But this is a sacred thing to do. 
This, this is a, a path, if you want to think about it this way, the church walks on, has walked on for centuries together. The partaking of communion is a well-worn path of worship and remembrance. Amen. And we do this, and we do this so much, in essence, we're proclaiming his death in anticipation that he's going to come again. Because we believe that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, and Christ is coming again. Amen. So we don't want to take this in an unworthy manner. So before we partake this morning, I'd like to take, or have you take a moment, and I'm going to too, with Jesus. And I want you to uh, just come before him again and say, Lord Jesus, any sin in my life, please forgive me my sin. Any ways that I've gotten off the way, I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit leads me back. Maybe it's thanksgiving to him for what the broken body and shed blood has meant for you, forgiveness of sins and, and, and the life that comes from that. But just take a moment with Jesus before we partake today and just examine yourself. Amen. Thank you. Oh, Jesus. Lord Jesus, forgive us our sins. Lord Jesus, we commit ourselves to you once again. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. We praise you this morning. In Jesus' name. As we come before you this morning, we just ask, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Forgive us our sins. We bring ourselves before you once again today in commitment to you, to follow you, to be your disciple. That each day we will pick up our cross and follow you in order to gain life by losing our own life. For Lord, we, we want to, with everything that we can, as much as is possible with the help of the Holy Spirit, to live in you and to live by you and to live for you. Every day, Lord Jesus. We follow you. And Father, we take the symbolic of, of the broken body of your son Jesus that you sent. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming in bodily form. Thank you for coming to this earth, invading the mess of our earth with your presence to show us the way to the fullness of who the Father is. And we thank you for willingly going to the cross, broken body, in place of us, substitutionary work, fulfilling that wage of death, the wage of physical death because of our sin. So Lord Jesus, today we take this bread in remembrance of your broken body. Let's partake together. And we know then the broken body meant shed blood. As the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So we thank you, Jesus, for being the sacrifice that shed blood for our forgiveness. That blood that washed away our sins. The blood that gives us standing to become righteous in you. We thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus. 
Lord, for all the things that you've done for us. But this moment of dying on the cross and, and the shedding of your blood, as God put the stamp on your work with your resurrection three days later, that we can be in the fullness of relationship with you because of the forgiveness of our sins. And Jesus, we thank you for that. Let's partake of the cup together this morning. So before we remove, you know, get back into singing our songs this morning of worship, let's just raise our hands up. I just want you to thank him. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you today. We thank you, Father, for sending your son. We thank you, Jesus, for willingly coming to us. And we worship you today. We thank you, Lord. We praise you today, this morning. Go ahead and speak it out. We praise you today. Don't be shy. We, we worship you today. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We praise you today, Jesus. We praise you today, Jesus. We praise you.
glad to have you here. If you're new, we would love for you to grab a Connect card off of that back table and just fill it out and give it to an usher. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning. streamers good to have you if you're watching a live stream today say hey wave you know let us know where you're watching from if you have prayer requests go ahead and put it on Facebook there and we will uh, be, be excited to uh, take time to join in faith with you over your prayer requests so go ahead and put that on Facebook it's good to have you today amen all right well everybody good to have you this morning Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get on with things today. So uh, if you have your tithe and offering ready, you can get that out. If you need an offering envelope, wave, wave your hand around, and one of our incredibly phenomenal, wonderful ushers will help you out. And uh, they do such a fantastic job doing what ushers do, whatever that is, right? Well, amen. Amen. Judah, come here. Judah is going to come down here, and he's going he's gonna to give us one solid point on giving. I don't know what, uh, oh, does that work? Does, does the drum mic work? Can you pull the drum mic? Would that work? I don't know. No? Maybe if you just come over by me and shout. And, and So he's going to give us one solid point on giving, and he's going to pray, and we'll, we'll bring it on down. So shoot, man. Go for it. So real quick, I want to remind everyone of the faith. Thank you. The faithfulness of the Lord. Amen. He was faithful to Joseph. When Joseph was in the pit first, then in Potiphar's house as a slave, then in prison, and Joseph was exalted to the second highest position in the whole kingdom, because God said so. Amen. He was faithful to Esther, who was picked to be the wife of the king, thereby saving all of the, of the children of Israel, because God said mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. 
He's faithful to Abraham years and years after he was gone by leading the children of Israel out of exile and out of slavery into the promised land because God said so. Amen. And he'll be faithful to you because he says he will be. And so I understand that we can look back on all those stories and all of the truths that we know to be true. Mm -hmm. We can say, yeah, but how does that apply to my life? Mm -hmm. I'm still having trouble paying my bills. <laughs> All that is great, but is God going to be faithful to me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you that he is. Yes. I'm here to yeah. tell you that he is there for the one just as he is there for the whole nation. Yeah. I'm here to tell you that he can take you from a place of not just financial poverty to a place of being restored, but a place of spiritual brokenness mm -hmm. to a place that sits right next to him. Amen. I remember when I was about uh, seven or eight, we were on our way to church, and my mom was driving, and she stopped at a stop sign. My brother and I were in there. She stopped at a stop sign and was all excited, super excited. We didn't know what was going on. She popped out of the van, and there was a $50 bill laying on the ground. She picked that up and was praising God, and we went on to church, and she couldn't wait to throw five in the offering plate. She couldn't wait to give glory to the Lord. That was part of the excitement. Only part of it was finding the money. The other part was thankfulness in her heart because the Lord had provided. This system of God's is a perfect system, Amen. right? God provides Amen. for us. Amen. We're thankful that he provides for us so it makes us glad and happy. We exalt him and give him glory, which makes him glad and happy. That's the way the system works. And it's a perfect system. Amen. So I'm going to encourage you that if things are hard, if you're struggling financially, keep being faithful to the Lord. He Amen. has something for you. You've probably already seen it. He's probably already done things that you can look back and be like, I know he is. Even though times are tough right now, I know that he's going to take care of me because he did it before. Yeah. And he'll do it again. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's right. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that you are faithful, that you're good, that your goodness is better than we can imagine. You do things simply because you love us. We know that you can do things. We look to you for everything. I pray that we can trust you enough, that the trust can be in our heart enough to be faithful to you, knowing that you're going to provide. Not only that you'll give us life, but that you'll give us that abundant life. Amen. That you'll make us free from the things of this world and able to be a blessing to others mm -hmm. so that they can see how good you are. Pray over this offering, Lord. Pray that you take it and you use it and that you get a return for yourself and your kingdom because you saved us and that's where we're going to be with you. Give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 If you haven't, bring it on down today. Thank you for your giving. Turn this thing off. Amen. All right, we'll jump into our uh, announcements uh, as you guys are giving today. So um, don't forget, every Monday night from 6 to 7 o'clock right here at the church, we have church-wide prayer. There we go. All right. I like that. That's cool, man. All right, so um, don't forget prayers on Monday. Hey, by the way, this coming Friday night is the EXO Marriage Conference. How many of y'all are looking forward to that? Anybody? So... Friday night and then Saturday morning. So here's the deal. The simulcasts start right at 8 o'clock 
on, on Friday, and then it starts again 10 a.m. on Saturday. So the church will be open at 7 on Friday and 9 on Saturday, so you can get in, settle in uh, for the simulcast. So that's just Friday. Uh, again, uh, we're providing child care. We'll have some food here. So if you haven't signed up yet, you want to be here, go ahead and sign up at the back table. But it's going to be a good time, and we certainly uh, want to always pay attention to, to uh, uh, the things in our life like marriage, because we need to be strengthening our marriages and these kind of things. So that's what the conference is all about. So simulcast from Jimmy Evans in Texas, and uh, it'll be a good time. That's just Friday. So if you have questions about that, you can see me. Also, um, we're starting up our uh, membership process. So if, if you are not a member here at Only Believe at Urbana, haven't been in the past, and you want to become a member of the church, we are offering what we call Next Steps, and that is our membership program. So if you're interested in Next Steps, sign up at the back table. It is February the 28th, right after church. For a couple hours, we'll bring some food in. But uh, listen, membership at a church means participation. How, how many of y'all believe that when you come here, you're part of a body, and, and all the parts of the body have a part to play. So, uh, so we want to talk about what that's about. So um, February 28th. Now, if you, if you already are a member here, that's cool. Everybody's grandfathered in. But if you want to hang out and see what it's about, go ahead and sign up. So I don't care you know, how long you've been coming here. If you want to come the next steps, just see what it's about. February 28th, right after church. And what we're going to do is just uh, monthly offer next steps so we can uh, continue to build the membership of our church. Having said that, then, uh, the ladies, they had their, their get-together a little while ago. If you're interested in be, uh, being a part of one of our ladies' small groups, go ahead and sign up at the back table. And once the sign-up is done, we'll get the groups kicked off, and we'll give you more information about that. A couple other things. Al has some papers. If, if you got a kid... Uh, in in uh, uh, grade school, raise your hand up, and Mike and Al have a paper for you, okay? Go ahead and hand that out, and I'll explain it once it gets there. Anybody else? You got a kid in grade school? Wave your hand up, okay? Let me see one of those real quick, Mike, if you would, please. Thank you. What this is is something that uh, we put together a few years ago. It's called the People of the Bible, and what it is is 52 weeks of a character of the Bible and scriptural reference where you can find them. So here's what I believe. And what I love about the curriculum of our, our children's church that we use, our kids' church, is it's very uh, Bible story-based. We need to know the stories and the people of the Bible. I mean, know that because there's so much to learn through that. And uh, this is kind of a help thing because I want all the parents to understand this. The kids' church at our church is to partner with you in raising your kid in the things of the Lord, right? It is not the only thing that should be happening for your kids. Now, you shouldn't de uh, depend entirely on church because we only get them for a, a, a couple hours, you know, weekly. And if, if you're a Wednesday, maybe more than a couple hours, right? So in other words, things at home are important. So this is just a simple thing. If it's uh, uh, dinner time once a week or, 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 you know, I don't know, maybe you do a family devotion. This is just a really cool thing. One, one character uh, a week for an entire year will hit the major theme characters of the Bible. That's all this is. Now, it doesn't have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit on it. That's just, but it has all these characters, you know what I'm saying? So there's, uh, you got uh, Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham and Sarah, Lot, Isaac, Esau, so all the scripture references to it. So it's just a help thing for you at home uh, as parents. So, and also, if you have a, you have a teenager in your home, uh, there's a, a blue paper 
on that back table. It's tips for parents of teenagers. That's got some stuff on it, too. So anyways, we as a church just want to keep equipping you for raising your kids at home and, and all that kind of great stuff. Amen? Amen. And having said that, uh, right after church today, we have a kids' church team meeting. So if you volunteer in the kids' church, we're going to meet over here as fast as we can so we can get you out as fast as we can. And it's just a few minutes. And by the way, if you're not currently on the kids' church team and you're interested, stay for the meeting. And we'll, we'll update you on what's happening. we got some things to talk about, especially with the, the building transition and all that stuff. So and saying that, by the way, uh, if you were not here Wednesday, uh, we're, we're targeting Good Friday, Friday night, and Easter Sunday morning as our first services in the new building. And everybody says amen. 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 So now, now, Good Friday and Easter, uh, we got the early Easter on the calendar this year, so that is the very first week of April. Now, let me tell you why that's important, because our lease is up on March 31st. So we don't have a choice. So our first services are going to be Good Friday and Easter in the new building. So uh, we got a lot of work to do. So having said that, this coming Saturday, after the marriage conference, uh, roughly about 1 o'clock, uh, we're going to head over and start doing some work. So there's some of you that, that throughout you'd be interested in, in cleaning uh, the kitchen cabinets and things like that, getting prepped for paint and stuff. If you can make it Saturday after the marriage conference about 1 o'clock, come on over. Uh, some guys, we're going to be working on, on the stage backdrop. Um, the, the, all the lights for the sanctuary came in. They need put together, assembled, so they can be hung. Uh, there's a lot of still some uh, patchwork on the walls. Most of the holes are patched, but they need, you know, with uh, sanded down, ready for paint. There's all sorts of stuff happening. So if you can come over Saturday afternoon, there's going to be plenty to do. And then the plan is, and I'm working on this, then the following Monday we'll have scaffolding in the building. So Monday night is cleaning the ceiling night. Tuesday night is hanging all the lights night. Then if we get all that done, then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're going to start painting the sanctuary and, and the kitchen and all that kind of stuff. So uh, a lot of work to do. We were in talking about the carpet the other day. So a lot of stuff happening. So uh, be ready for updates. And certainly in the week and a half leading up to the end of March, then we got to take all this stuff and move it over and all that fun stuff. So uh, we're going to constantly putting updates out there uh, for what's happening. So when you can make it great, when you can't, that's great too. But, but we're going to get some things done and it's going to be exciting. How many all ready to, for this to happen? We're excited about it. So amen and all that stuff. So having said that, get your Bible out. And go to Matthew chapter number six. We're going we're gonna to jump around a little bit in the Sermon on the Mount today. Matthew chapter six. And we're uh, second week into a series entitled To Forgive. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is not an easy series to talk about. Because we all like to be forgiven. How many of all like to be forgiven? But how many know it's not easy to then to forgive others? That's a whole other ballgame. But the followers of Jesus Christ are to be people who embody who he is. So we started the text last week. Um, remember Jesus on the cross, enduring all that he did, uh, some of the last things that he said before he physically died. He looked down and said, Father, forgive them. Right? Who's them? Them. Whoever was out there, including the ones that just did to him what they did. 
Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That's a, that's a, that's a strong statement. You have to understand, everybody knows what they're doing, but there's an ultimate bigger picture that those who have been blinded by the enemy ultimately don't know what they're doing. You see what I mean? So, Father, forgive them. And the thing about Jesus on the cross saying that is, when he said that, there was nobody standing there saying, please forgive me. Now it comes later when we understand Jesus and his work and his, his death and, and resurrection and, and what it affords us in forgiveness. But nobody was asking for forgiveness, but Jesus forgave him anyways. Right? You, you know, then when he's hanging on the cross there, um, he is the full embodiment of who God is. And the axis that, that spins the kingdom of God is formed out of love that brings forgiveness. The kingdom of God is girded, it's grounded in this unconditional forgiveness that, that is offered by our loving God. Amen. What forgiveness does is, is that although it does never guarantee it, it opens the road for possible reconciliation. But we're not called to forgive only when it's reconciled. We're called to forgive no matter whether or not it's reconciled. Is that right? Amen. We're to offer forgiveness. See, how is God healing the world? God heals the world because of forgiveness. And he, and he heals the world through forgiveness. And here's the thing. How many know that we are supposed to participate in the work of the kingdom of God? Who knows that? How are we to help participate in that? Part of it is by how we offer forgiveness. Right? Part of our being a light to the world is that we embody Jesus in the forgiveness of those as they wrong us. That's hard. Right? God is calling us to a place where, where we can see things in such a way, be so kingdom-minded, that even some of the deepest uh, things that, that people have done to us that brought hurt and, and brokenness and maybe even altered certain courses of our life, that we're called to bring forgiveness to those situations because forgiveness always opens the avenue for healing, not only for the person who is offering forgiveness, but the possibility of healing for the one who has done the wrong. Yes. Whenever there is unforgiveness, healing is not possible completely. Right here. Amen. Now, let me ask you a question. Does God love that other person as much as they love you even though they wronged you? Yes. Yeah. Does God want them to be healed? We have to be a part of the process. Here's the thing about it, though. When, when you are in a place where you need to forgive somebody, that means something actually happened. And it was wrong. And it may have hurt you. And it may have scarred you. And it may, again, have changed the course of your life. Forgiveness doesn't mean that it all wasn't a big deal. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you just forget about it and it never hurts again. But forgiveness is the Christ-likeness growing in us that we stand with him in bringing healing to the world. How much do you want to participate in that? Because as long as you withhold forgiveness from somebody, there's certain parts of your life that will never be healed by the wrong. And if you really love the world as God did, and we learn this, then we learn that there's healing for other people that can only happen when they are forgiven. Right? 
So God heals the world through forgiveness, and we're supposed to be a part of it. So Matthew chapter 6, this is the verse we started with last week, and let's just read this again. Matthew 6 and verse number 9, this is the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. It says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now here we go, verse 12, and forgive us our debts, or forgive us our sins. But watch this. As we also have forgiven our debtors, or those who have sinned against us, or those who have wronged us, or those who have hurt us, or those who have scarred us. Amen. Amen. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now Jesus goes right back to this forgiveness thing. Verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's harsh, it sounds like, right? That puts a lot of onus on you to learn what it means to be like Jesus. It, put, it puts an onus on you that as much as you want to go to the Father for forgiveness, as many times as you, you sin and you do wrong and you mess up, as much as you want to do that, you've got to learn to be the same way towards other people. Or, or there is what turns out to be a hypocrisy in the process. I, I want forgiveness, I want forgiveness, I want forgiveness, but I ain't forgiving you, I ain't forgiving you, I ain't forgiving you. And God's saying, yeah, that's not right. As a matter of fact, you end up kind of being like a hypocrite. Wanting, 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 but never giving, giving, giving. Amen. So we've got to learn to be like Jesus. Christ's followers are called to a radical forgiveness. At times what seems to be unreasonable forgiveness. Endless forgiveness. We're going to talk about this next week. And what seemingly it sometimes means, uh, seems to be an impossible forgiveness. We're called to it. That way God can make us into what he intends us to be. Amen. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to stay in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount uh, absolutely fascinates me. I would, I would challenge that it should fascinate you too. Uh, years ago, I don't know how long ago anymore. Uh, there were a couple of the Beatitudes that just, just grabbed my heart. I was just reading just my normal uh, Bible study. Um, and, and in the Beatitudes, there are two of them that just grabbed a hold of me. One was, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And I just went, whoa, wait a minute. Then, then coupled with that was, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And I was, I was so intrigued, but, but I understand that as much as you do, that uh, the whole sermon kind of rolls together. There's a thread. It works together. So Matthew chapter 5 through 7. So probably for a year and a half, I would say almost every day, 90% of the days for a year and a half, I read the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 it took me anywhere from 12 to 15 minutes in, in just a casual reading. But through about four or five different translations, I just rolled through it and, and, and rotated. And I just kept getting it in my heart because I kept thinking, this is not the way people are. It's challenging. And I wanted it so much to sink in on me. I just read it every day, every day, every day. And about, probably about three years after I did that, I actually wrote a, a short commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. But there are things in the Sermon on the Mount that are hard. If you really think about it, they're hard. 
And, and I realize that we're hard and so different from our human nature and the way the society of our world works that if you don't let it sit in on you and let the Holy Spirit help you, it's just not easy to do. So we're going to tackle or just look at a couple of these things today that are in this because they have something to do with forgiveness. So Matthew chapter 5, and let's see, verse number 38. So Justice, we're going we're gonna to read this first verse, and we're going to go to the Old Testament and jump back, okay? So Matthew chapter 5, verse number 38 says, And you heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know where you hear that? The Bible, the Old Testament. So, Justice, let's go. There, there's three different places, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. So let's go to Leviticus 24 and verse number 20. Leviticus 24 and verse number 20. Hey, let's go to verse 19. I'm sorry. Jump back one for me, please. Thank you, Justice. So, if anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done it, shall it be done to him. This is what... Moses is telling the people that God is telling you to do. Verse 20. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury has been has given a person shall be given to him. Accidental or not, if you hurt somebody, the same thing happens to you. End of the story. If you accidentally poke your neighbor's eye, guess what? They have a right by this to poke your eye back. Everybody feels good. <laughs> right? If, if your donkey gets out of control and hits your neighbor and breaks his leg, guess what? They have a right to break your leg right back. Now, we say, whoa, is this the Bible? Now, you got to understand, what is human nature? Human nature is, if you poke my eye, I'm going to poke both of yours. You break my leg, I'm going to break two of yours. Right? It's escalation. So the law, and what Moses is bringing, is to at least keep escalation from, from happening. It's not going to happen. We're just going to go kind for kind and stop, right? Yeah. Now let's go back to where we were, Matthew chapter 5, verse number 38. So if you heard it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So they find this in their scriptures. But Jesus says, I say to you, now here comes Jesus. Oh, man. And Jesus, is, he's going for the harder stuff. He's going to reorient this thing. And this, this is where people get upset at him, because who does he think he is messing with what Moses told us God said we should do? Right? He's going to change what we just said. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Oh, this is hard. But if someone slaps you on the right cheek... Now, by what we just said, if someone slaps you, you get to slap them back. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Ooh. Okay, let's just be honest. How many know if somebody jacks you on the face? Your natural inclination is not to say, oh, hey, this side too. How many know what I'm talking about? Your natural inclination is, you better run, sucker. I'm about to knock you out, you know what I'm saying? And you better hope I'm not packing, because you just invaded my space, man. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you. You better be able to run fast and zigzag. You know? Isn't that what we think, right? 
But Jesus said, if someone slaps you on the right, turn, turn the left. He's removing the eye-for-eye, tooth-for-tooth retaliation. Let's keep reading. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well, so give them more. And if one forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. That was a Roman thing. By Roman law, the occupiers could make you carry their stuff for miles in the law. So if someone forced you by law to carry it, you get done with the mile and say, you know what? I'll take it another. I don't need to, but that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Give to the one who begs you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Let's keep reading. And you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do that? There he is, singling out the tax collectors again. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles and non-believers do that. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. Now, I've seen that verse right there taken, taken and used talking about moral perfection and holiness. You have to be perfect like God, so you've got to get your actions right and, and all this different stuff. What Jesus is saying there, if you really want to be perfect like God, treat others with love even when you don't think they deserve it. If you want to be perfect like God, instead of being an enemy back to your enemy, pray for them and bless them. If you really want to be like God, when they slap you on the right cheek, turn the other. We said, well, where's God like that? Jesus is on the cross and says, Father, forgive them. He, could he have called the legions of angels to come down and just take care of business? Yeah. But he didn't. He took the penalty because, listen, forgiveness can only truly happen when somebody gives something, somebody gives somebody something they don't deserve. Forgiveness can only happen when wrong is not repaid for wrong, but wrong is repaid with forgiveness. Until you learn that retaliation is not the way to go, you'll never be in a place where you can offer full forgiveness to somebody. Well, I'll forgive them after I slap them back. That's our mentality, right? As long as they get theirs, then I'll forgive them. But we're to offer forgiveness even if they don't ask. We're to offer forgiveness whether or not you think they get paid back in the way they, they, you think they should be paid back. When you offer forgiveness, you take retaliation off yourself and give it to the just God. Now, is God a big boy? Yeah, he's a big boy. He is the just and perfect God. Do you think God is capable in his justness to, to judge people in the, in the right way, in the proper way? Yes. So if you forgive and put it on God, then don't you think that if that person deserves whatever that God will give them what they deserve? The fact is, we don't trust that God will do that because God's a God of mercy and love. Right? 
we, we know how he is, so we want to take care of it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But remember, you want God to be a God of mercy and love when it comes to you. You've got to learn to want God to be a God of mercy and love when it comes to the other person, even if you, they don't get what you think they deserve. That is why turning the other cheek's a big deal. Amen. God is taking us to a place that we understand the kingdom of God to work through us. We have to be very unlike the way society works. Now, it's not to say offering forgiveness is easy. Sometimes it's simply mechanical, and there's no emotion. And matter of fact, emotions going the other way. But it's a mechanical saying, Lord, this is hard. I don't know how I can do this, but Lord, I, I forgive that person. Amen. At that moment, now, chances are you're not feeling it because healing hasn't started in your life. You don't forgive when you've been healed. You forgive so you can be healed. And it opens you up for the possibility for God to come in and begin a healing process in your life that may take a long time, but take you through a place where you look back on your life, and even though the things are still there and you remember them, you see them differently. Right? This is how God works. He does it with you, and you're supposed to want him to do it with other people. See, the life that God is constantly putting in front of you that you can walk in, this abundant life, happens because you're able to do things like this, right? And that abundant life is, is not just for you, but it's for everybody. But your part to play in seeing other people walk in this kind of abundance centers in on things just like this, especially when it's hard. Because when it's hard, that means something really was done. Right? So, by the way, we can't say, well, I forgive and then go talk about it to everybody. Or get passive aggressive about it on social media and Facebook. I'm not saying it, but I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, and, you, know, you know what I mean? You, you got to stop that stuff. You know what I mean? We're called to a place. Of forgiveness. Matthew chapter 7. Stay in the Sermon on the Mount. Let me, let me just read, make a point about this real quick, and then, then I'll get to closing up. Matthew 7 and verse number 1. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's talking about the hypocrisy of seeing wrong in somebody else's eye and seeing it. You know, in their life, but dismissing the problem with your own, in your own eye, right? Do you realize that when you sit in place of unforgiveness against somebody, you sit in judgment over them? Because you constantly hold against them the wrong that they did to you. And you sit over top of them. That's judging them. You don't want God to judge you that way. Imagine if God would hold against you all the time the things that you need forgiven for. Right? That's why, that's why in, the, in the Lord's Prayer, if you don't forgive others, the Heavenly Father can't be forgiven. Because when unforgiveness is there, you judge them. And you constantly judge them for what they did. Forgiveness then frees you of it and hopefully frees them of it. So they can start to walk in life. Amen. 
I want to read. I want to read to you something this morning. I'm going to close up in a different way. Maybe some of you older folks. How many are familiar with the name Corey Ten Boom? Anybody? Oh wow! Oh wow! A lot more than I thought. Well, good. Okay. If you don't know Corey Ten Boom, she was, uh, um, I think, in her 40s or so during World War II. Uh, her and her family. Uh, were watchmakers in the, the Netherlands. Um, uh, they were also part of the, the Dutch resistance movement. And that was a time where, where the, the Jews were obviously being rounded up by the Nazis, and, and some of them ended up in concentration camps and so forth. In uh, her family home, uh, they built a room, actually, I think, behind her specific room, where they were hiding Jews from the Nazis. And I think, I think the room itself could hold six people or so. By the way, the, the, the book, the story called The Hiding Place, if you don't know, you can pick that up. It's, you can buy that. It's a great story. Um, but they, they were hiding Jews, and, and they believed that a neighbor uh, alerted uh, the authorities to what they were doing. They were arrested, and uh, uh, her and her sister, as well as other family members, but her and her sister, eventually Susan Processes, ended up in a concentration camp called Ravenbrook. Ravensbrook. And uh, so this, as the story goes is that her sister named Betsy, over time, she, she died in the concentration camp. About 12 days after Betsy passed away, through some crazy clerical error, they released Corey, and she, she was out of the prison camp. And about a week later, all the ladies of the age group that she was in were sent to the gas chambers. So right in between her sister dying then, then all the ladies of her age group being put in the gas chambers, she was released in the middle of it. And they were there again because they were, they were hiding Jews uh, from the Nazis. So after the war, uh, she actually was part of a thing. They set up a, a, a rehabilitation center for people that went through it and, and things like this. But she also uh, was doing a lot of speaking going around. So I want to read you a story. Uh, and this, this is from her words right here. I want to read you a story about one night where she was uh, uh, speaking somewhere. Make sure I got my pages right here. Okay, so, so this is something she wrote. Uh, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him. And, and this is from 1972. A balding, heavy-set man in a gray overcoat, brown felt hat clutched between his hands, the people were filing out of the basement where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs uh, to the door at the rear. And she wrote this in, in 1972, but it, it was 1947. And I had just come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed to hear the most in, in that bitter, bombed out land. And I gave them my favorite mental picture, maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind. I like to think that's where uh, forgiven sins were thrown. We confess our sins, I said, and God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. Uh, the solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. Uh, there was never a question after a talk in Germany in 1947. People stood up in silence. They, they gathered their wraps, and in silence they left the room. But that's when I saw him. Working his way against the others, one moment I saw the overcoat, 
and the brown hat, and the next moment in my mind, I saw the blue uniform and the visor cap with the skull and the crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh uh, overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the middle of the floor, the shame of walking past this man naked. I could see my sister's fail, uh, form, frail form ahead of me, her ribs, ribs sticking out sharp beneath the parchment of her skin. Betsy, how thin you were. See, Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where I was sent. Now he was in front of me. He thrust his hand out and said, a fine message for our line. How good it is to know, as you say, all sins are forgiven at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled at my pocketbook rather than to take the hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop that swung from his belt. It was the first time since my release I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard there, but no, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he wanted, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And as I stood there, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven, but I could not. Betsy had died in that place. How, how could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but it seemed to me like hours as I wrestled with the difficult thing, I, the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it, and I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If we do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. And since the end of the war, I had come to Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were also able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. As I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion, and I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I pray silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. So woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the stretched hand before me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And there was this healing warmth that seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we just grasped each other's hand, the former guard and the former prisoner, and I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. And thus, having learned to forgive in the hardest situations, I never again had difficulty in forgiving. But I wish I could say it, but, but things happened later that maybe made things hard again. But the one thing I learned by the 80 years of age 
is that I can't store up good feelings and behavior, but only draw them fresh on God each day. And maybe I'm glad it's that way, for every time I go to him, he teaches me something else. Amen. See, the forgiveness that God calls us to will take us to a deep place in our own being. Probably reach places you did not think were there. And it draws out of you things that you didn't think were there. That God, in the moments of our life, can help us do what we think is so seemingly impossible. The things that God calls us to, that we know, we look at, like some of these things, you know, turn the other cheek and all this different, we say, oh man, that is just so hard. If we will go forward with him, he will always empower us to do what he called us to do, even when it seemingly is unreasonable and hard. This is the God we serve, but he's doing it for our good and for the good of the world. Amen. So can we be this way? Can, can we be, like she said, it was, it was wooden, man. There was no feeling there. But as she did the act, God was able to work through her in the moment. Amen. So we're, we're kind of in the middle of this series. We've got a couple more weeks to talk about forgiveness. But I want to encourage you. If you have people, circumstances, moments of your life that you have not brought forgiveness to, I would encourage you to start down the road of forgiving it. Forgiving that person. Doesn't mean you have to go to them. Doesn't mean you have to say anything. Doesn't mean you have to do anything but in your heart, forgive. Amen. Even if you think it's impossible, forgive. Then God will do what only God can do. But that's what he wants. If we could do this life without him, then why would we need him anyways? Amen. So I would say... This week, every day, Lord, this person, this, Lord, I forgive it. I don't feel it, but I forgive it. And it's a practice every day, just, Lord, I forgive it. I forgive it. And for some of you, it'll bring back hard memories, maybe some tears. But these are part of, the, of God doing things and working things through. We're emotional creatures for a reason. Emotions aren't bad. You're just not to be in control, right? You work things through your life. And you'll find yourself after time be able to see what God has done in your life that you thought was so impossible, but yet here you are. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, Lord some of this stuff is hard. I, I just, not easy. But you are God, and we can because you are. We can because you are. We can because you are taking us somewhere. You are making us into something. We can. So I pray we lean on you. We, we, we are strengthening you. We grow in you, Lord that each and every day that we follow you in such a way that there is a change happening in us, we're becoming what you intend us to be. And not just for our sake, but for the healing of our world. 
but you are coming. You are coming again. And we want to participate in the process of new creation until that day. We thank you for your forgiveness, but we pray we grow in a way that we extend it towards other people. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen. How many all, how many all get what I'm saying? Anybody understand? Okay, cool. All right, well, we're going to keep on this journey of forgiveness next week. It's good to have you today. Be blessed as you go. We'll see you Wednesday night. If you need prayer about something, come grab me before we start the kids' church meeting. But if you're part of the meeting, do what you need to do, then hustle over here and we'll get rolling. All right, thanks for being here today. We'll see you next time.